decode it for us and make it understandable for us, God. That we will, that the Logos word will turn into Rhema word that impacts our lives and change us forever. And that the word becomes powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Even to the dividing line between that which is of the spirit and that which is of the soul. Even to the innermost part between bone and marrow. And it is a discerner of our hearts, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. We love your word. Thank you, God. At the name, at the mention of your name, every knee shall bow. And you said that you have exalted your word above your name, God. I pray, God, that as we approach your word, I pray, God, that awe and wonder will take hold of us, God. That we will know that we are not approaching a textbook we are approaching one of the ways and the one of the primary ways in which you reveal yourself to us god so keep on revealing keep on revealing keep on revealing god this book that we started reading and cannot finish it and ultimately it just keeps on reading us so father as we as we spend time, I pray, God, that we will not just have a desire for us to read your word, but a deep desire that your word will read us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I, I need a timekeeper. Although I do want to declare that I, I have, before I die... Um, I want to be in a scene like Paul was when he preached all night. Somebody fell asleep, fell out of a window, and people didn't go home. They just resurrected the guy, got back in, and kept on teaching. It is one of my, my deep desires. That and to see, you know, there's this portion of Scripture where it says, and Saul came into the company of prophets that were in a prophetic frenzy. Have you ever wondered what a prophetic frenzy would look like? Those are my two, one, two of the things that I really want to experience before I die. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I need a timekeeper. Uh, yeah, let's do two half an hour. So we're doing an hour, and then we're going to do some group work. I just want to ask, does everybody have a, a phone? I know it's, it's, maybe nowadays you start to say, anybody that doesn't have a phone here. Because I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a short questionnaire, and the questionnaire is on is on a website that I will give you, uh, that you can do. It's for free. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, but we are gonna do that, and uh, but I'm gonna start off by, um, you know, we most probably live in the in an age. I just want to get my phone here. We most probably live in an age where. There's never, never been so much resource available. Uh, there's really no excuse for us, especially with, with the internet. I mean, everything is at our, our fingertips. And I think um, one of our challenges is really to navigate ourselves amongst the vast amount of information that there is available. But, I mean, we have books, we have podcasts, we, at our fingertips, we have the best speakers in the world uh, on podcasts and YouTube clips, and we have YouTube clips for everything. 
So we can't really say that we are a generation that don't have enough resources. I think we are most probably the most resourced generation uh, ever. And uh, that is a wonderful thing and sometimes also a challenging thing because I think in all of that, unfortunately, it's not just Christian information that's out there. Uh, we are bombarded by information on everything. You know, we, we, have, we don't take time to meditate and think anymore because we have Google. So we don't, we don't just sit down and talk about stuff and figure stuff out for ourselves because we have Google and we can quickly go and search and find and pray to God that the first website that we get is a good one. Um, just check, uh, you know, some of, uh, we ran a Bible school and many of our, our Bible school students in a, in a moment of panic when they had to finish an assignment, they would do the cut, cut and paste routine. And some of them actually quoted uh, Mormon websites and I had to gently ask them just at least check, you know, check your sources. <laughs> if you have to cut and paste and if I, I also Google, so at least when you want to do cut and paste, go to at least the seventh or the eighth page because I don't go there. So uh, I think we are so, and we are most probably the most distracted generation as well. We have so many things that we can do from entertainment to, to work problems. We can just go to the internet and we can just Google everything and we can be entertained. We can stay at our, in our homes and binge watch series. We can do so much. You know, we don't even have to go to the movies anymore. We can make our own popcorn and we can watch movies. And I know none of you pirate the movies, I know, but there are people that do that. And so we have all these resources available, and I think it's great. I enjoy the kind of resources that we have nowadays. Um, it's great for me that I can have access to commentaries, I can have access to people, writers, and influences that I really respect in the church world. Um, I really, really enjoy that. But I also realize that sometimes that makes me a little bit lazy. Because in the end, I believe that God wants to speak through His Word, and He wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to me, and He does speak through us, and He does speak through speakers, and He does speak through um, theologians, and He speaks through ministers. But I think in the end, God really desires a personal relationship with us as individuals in the corporate. And I love, and in fact, I'm not, I've been practicing or trying to practice some of the spiritual disciplines. And I, so we had a little exercise and say, we use the, the 12 by Richard Foster. And uh, so the one that I really, I, I'm very bad at is solitude. I think solitude for me is like punishment. You know, I, I know you know, you get on Facebook and they have this mountain cabin. Would you live here for one million dollars? And I think, can we make it two? <laughs> and if someone, you know, there, there was once a friend of mine, he had like a, a retreat and he had like up in Wellington at Beulah. And he blessed me with three days alone in a mountain cabin. And my first response was, what did I do? God, why am I being punished? 
So I said, well, maybe it looks like solitude is like a big thing. I don't get it quite. I, I, I like the corporate. I pray better corporately than I pray privately. Um, so I said, okay, let's try this year. Let's work on some of the stuff that I'm not really good at. And I, and I thought, you know, how difficult can it be to be alone? And at the life group that we were at, we all had to do like a, our wall statement, what we're going to do, and we had to give feedback on it the next week. And I said, okay, I'm going to do solid, uh, solitude, and I'm going to do like 12 hours. And as I thought, as I thought about that, I said, Jan, that's like low-hanging fruit, man. Come on, be a man. 24 hours. I said, correction, I'm going to do it for 24 hours. I'm going to, I'm going to somehow... Get it right that I'm going to practice solitude, just me, by myself. So the next morning early, I was up. I had my sneakers on, and I went walking towards Kutzenberg Dam. And it was like, it's not a long walk. And I was, and that morning, strangely enough, there wasn't a single person. And, and I walked, and I felt quite alone. I, I, I wondered if there was some apocalyptic event that took place. And all the other people are gone, and it's just me. So I was about 20 minutes into my walk, and there wasn't a single person. And as I got around Kutzenberg Dam, I saw in the distance there's a guy sitting at a table, and I was magically drawn towards him. <laughs> and I realized that I could not do solitude for 40 minutes. <laughs> um, so that's one of my confessions. <laughs> I really struggle with solitude, but apparently it's good. I'm finding out why. But um, so I've been also dabbling in some of the, and some of the stuff comes really easy for me. Like spending time with the word is like, yes, spiritual discipline, come here. <laughs> I'm looking for excuses, but you know, there are others that are, are really, really difficult. And uh, what? Which, which one are you really good at? Turn to the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. Just tell them, what is the spiritual discipline that you've tried that you think that you're really good at and one that you really suck at? <laughs> I promise we won't tell Debia or Matt or Jacques. Maybe Nita and Ronel and, and Sarah. Yeah. Okay, is there anyone brave enough to, is there anybody humble enough to say what you're good at? <laughs> Which one are you good at? Anybody? You've been voluntold by your friend. <laughs> say again? Good with solitude. Come and lay hands, please. <laughs> I need an impartation. Anybody else? What, what are you good at? Reading the Word. Who was that? Good. Who else? Who's good at reading the Word? Good. Who suck at reading the Word? <laughs> okay. Who's tried many times to start being good at the Word, <laughs> reading the Word? <laughs> Usually on Mondays, right? Yeah. <laughs> Next week. 
Anybody else? Uh, who's, who's got something that they think that they're not too bad at? But you're good at all of them, or just don't want to humiliate yourself? <laughs> Meditation. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? Fasting. I actually think they made a mistake with the translation. They just left out an E. These only come out by prayer and feasting. <laughs> I don't like fasting that much. Once I get into it, it's okay, but just the, the, the beginning is tough. Who of you are really good at fasting? Anybody? Who of you like fasting? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> okay. So when it comes to reading the Word, I think the Bible is still the top-swelling book in the in the world, and most probably the least read one. So I don't know what people do with all the Bibles that they, that they buy. So maybe just keep them, you know, as a, as good, as a good luck charm. But it's, it's amazing when you ask people, and especially in a generation, uh, I'm the last of the baby boomers, so I'm not even one of the others that came afterwards, you know. So I, I love reading, and my wife says I'm a geek. I absolutely love reading, so the whole prospect of reading for me is great, but I do also realize that we live in a in a generation that anything over 160 characters is just not on. I've been banned from Instagram by my daughters. They said I'm too old. I said, "How old are you to be too old for Instagram?" They said, "That's not an age, but you're too old." She so says, "Because you always want to put in words." And I do realize that we live in a generation that people, if you ask a lot of people, they will tell you, I don't really like reading. My son is a classical example. I said, I really read this amazing book. And his first question is, how thick is it? Not how good is it, how insightful it is. Is it thick or thin? If it's thin, it's a good book. If it's thick, I don't know. (laughs) Too much information. So uh, I think we live in a generation that don't generally like reading. And then the reading of Scripture, and especially the Bible, which is the kind of book that, who have you found that you've read the Bible a couple of times, but you can't finish reading it? It's most probably, I've read a lot of books, and I've read, but I've read the Bible through a couple of times, but I've never sort of felt that I've mastered the Word of God. It's like, it's almost like just when you think, okay, now I've got it, God just writes something new and, you know, it's there and it pops out and you see if the ink is still wet. I've never seen that before, although you've read the Bible so many times. And, uh, and there, I want to admit to you that there's been seasons in my life where the hunger for the Word has sort of dissipated. And it's most probably one of the things that people ask me the most is, Jan, how do you... How do you cultivate hunger for the Word of God if you don't like have it? And I would say that the first thing is pray. It's ask God for a hunger for His Word. Because if you're going to try and stir up hunger, I think there's a way that when God gives you hunger that you can maintain hunger. And one day I was, I was speaking to the Lord and I said, God, just with regards to spiritual things in general, how do I cultivate hunger? And the Lord says there's two ways that you can cultivate hunger. Two ways that you're going to get hungry. The first is you can starve yourself. It's like during a famine, people get fairly hungry. 
So if you starve yourself of the word for long enough, they'll, eventually there'll come a time when you say, oh, I just crave the word of God and you'll eat. But the problem with that is in a famine, while you are becoming hungry, you're also becoming weaker because your body breaks down. And then, okay, that's not, that doesn't sound like the right way. So, and I asked the Lord, okay, Lord, what is the other one? And um, I used to cycle a lot, and the Lord said, Jan, can you remember when you cycled? I said, yeah. I said, and he said, you remember you were always hungry. You exercised, and, but you were always hungry, and you could eat. And you would eat, and then you go and cycle, and when you come back, you hunger again. I've got a son that is a teenager that is now a grown man, but when he was a teenager, he was a very good cyclist. And he was hungry all the time, whether he cycled or not. He was just hungry. And I, and I just realized, you know, there is a way that when we exercise, that we become hungry in a healthy way. Because if you exercise, what if you read the Word of God and you exercise or apply the Word of God, that creates a hunger, and while it creates a hunger, it also creates growth and strength in you. And I've went to a couple of people that are really good guys and in Bible reading, and one of the things that they say, if you want to become good at reading the Bible or study the Bible, is you've got to do it. Because I think sometimes even with the disciplines, is that we can philosophize, theologize, we can talk about the disciplines, we can wax lyrically about the, uh, the disciplines. We read all the books about the discipline, but we never exercise the disciplines. And I think sometimes, even when it comes to the Word, sometimes we study so much how much we can study that we never study. And the best way to study is to actually take the Word of God and read it. What has come out over and over in research, how they, how they spoke to people, they said, you know, if you haven't been doing it for a while... You know, you start reading and it feels clang clunky. It feels this isn't natural. This doesn't come natural. But they said if you just keep on doing it, the next day it gets better. And the next day it gets better. And especially if you approach the Word in a good way and you pray and you trust the Holy Spirit to show you things, that eventually it becomes like exercise. It's like when you start running after you haven't run for a while, you know, you kind of remember how you ran, and then you try to run like that, and then you nearly kill yourself. But then you realize, okay, I've just got to do like two kilometers this morning. Tomorrow I'll do 2.1 kilometers, and in three, four weeks you can run five. And the more you do it, and later on your body actually starts craving the exercise. Your body starts craving what your, what your brain secretes, the endorphins that your brain secretes, and it's actually... People start craving, your body starts crying for the exercise. And they reckon it's pretty much the same with the Word of God. Is if you consistently start spending, and even if you, I, th I think one of the things that we do, if we haven't done it for a while or we want to do more of it, is like we say, okay, I, now I'm going to read like four hours. I'm going to do Bible study for four hours a day. And I'm going to get up at two o'clock in the morning. And then that lasts about... 10 minutes before you fall asleep again. So if you haven't done it for a while, start small. Take five minutes, take 10 minutes, but just do it and do it consistently. And they've actually found that people that struggle to do that, if they just do it consistently, it actually they start gaining the benefit of simply 
reading the Word. Now, if you, if you then sort of grow in the way that you study the Word, that becomes an exponential growth. Now you're getting more from what you're reading. And especially if you become very intentional how you read, you just don't read for the sake of reading because you've got to ask the why question. Why are you reading? Because surely reading the Bible cannot be the end goal. The end goal would be to know God, to become more intimately acquainted with Him, to love Jesus more, to know Him more, to, to know Him and grow in knowing Him by one of the major ways that He expresses Himself to us, and that's through His Word and by His Spirit that enlightens the Word. So I want to encourage you, this might sound very simplistic, but how do we study the Word? You start reading the Word. And you start reading the Word, and you, you can augment that. You can augment that with many study tools that we have uh, that will cater to your learning style. And we are going to do something tonight on identifying and using your learning styles to enhance your reading of Scripture. Um, when I got saved a couple of years ago, yeah, quite a few years ago, uh, I think it's about 30 years ago now, Yes, I came from a psychology background, same uh, industrial psychology, same as Diabia. And so when I got saved, you know, it was all about the spirit. It, it was just the spirit. I w you know, this other part of me, my soul was very evil and my flesh was even worse. And it, it had to be killed and burned because the spirit. And uh, I think as, I, as the years went by, I came to an increasing revelation and an understanding that God has made us body, soul, and spirit. And the portion of Scripture that said that He will present us perfect in body, soul, and spirit. So there is something about my spirit that was regenerated when I got saved. There is something about my flesh, my body, that will be transfigured in a, in a, in a twinkling of an eye. And God, I will know God as He knows me. And then in the meantime, between these, there is the renewing of our minds. There is the saving of our souls. <laughs> and so God has given me thoughts. God has given me emotions that is connected to that thoughts. In fact, not only God has given me that, society has given me that. My friends have given, my parents has give, given me that. My peers, my superiors, everybody has the spirit of this age as is giving us thoughts, is giving us emotions according to those thoughts, and we make life decisions based on that. And all of us have different ways of assimilating new information. And I think, uh, my, I wish my wife was here tonight. You know, my wife, she's very autistic. So she does Bible study. It looks like an art class. You know, it's like, I didn't know that you get highlighters in, in that many colors. I don't know what she does with them, but she packs out and there's paper and she doodles. And it's almost like an artwork when she's finished with a Bible study, which I don't understand anything about. I said, can't we just get to the Greek and the Hebrew word here? And I, and I realized when I watch her that the depth of revelation that she gets by simply sitting with the Lord, and she has this thing that we are both Afrikaans, and uh, so, but when we got saved, we started reading the English Bible, came from Afrikaans communities, and all of a sudden for her, 
And for me, it was like we reinvent, we rediscovering our faith, because growing up in a very Afrikaans, very traditional church, that you had Sunday school from grade one to grade twelve, you knew the word of God. And when you read read the word of God, you just like skipped over parts. But when we discovered in those days the Spiritful Life Bible and the Amplified Bible, it's like it was a new world opening up to us. And and she would just take the dictionary. And sit, not with the Greek and the Hebrew, but just a normal dictionary. And just like, what does that word mean? And I, and I just realized, you know, sometimes the Bible study methods that we get is so, it's a revelation of one guy. And it most probably fits, he most probably thinks it's life life changing because it fits the way. He's found a way that fits the way that, that he assimilates new information or or learns new stuff. And it might not be the one that works for you. And, you know, so there's this, there's this four learning styles. If you can just go to the next, the next one quickly. It's visual and it's oral or auditive. Visual, basically, you learn by what you see. Oral or auditive, you learn by what you hear. Now, first they only had three, the visual, the auditive, and the kinesthetic. But now they've also had another one, reading and writing, as part of the visual one, but it's not as visual. It's people that learn more with seeing words, not necessarily diagrams and pictures. And uh, then kinesthetic is like you learn by interacting with the material. And uh, so we're going to do a small questionnaire just before we go to a break. And uh, then we're going to see what you're going to discover, what kind of learner you are. If it's incredibly accurate, it's simply because you have given them the information. A lot of people, when they fill in personality questionnaires, you know, they fill in personality stuff, and they try to be as honest as possible, and then the results come out, and they go, oh, how did they know this? I said, well, you just gave them the information. <laughs> they just <laughs> correlated it and gave it back to you in a form that describes it a little bit and verbalizes it a little bit better, so... If, you, if it's not you at all, I don't know what you're trying to prove. But, <laughs> but I want to encourage you to be as honest as possible with this. And don't worry if it's not like completely, because this is a, this is a very rough instrument. Okay? It doesn't tell you if you're 98.5 visual. and So it doesn't give you those kind of percentages. It's a broad brush. And most of you will have a primary and a secondary way of learning. None of us... And all of us are able to learn with all the styles. We just find it easier to learn with others. Okay, so don't worry. Uh, if you're struggling to learn, it's because just the, the, the guy that's trying to teach me is missing me completely. All of us are able to learn in various ways. It's just we prefer and we assimilate and we um, arrange information uh, in different ways. So that's basically all. And then... We're going to try and get you to use the learning style, the predominant learning style that you have, that you can apply in Bible study. And maybe that will open a new world for you that will, it will be a more natural process for you to interact with the Word, to assimilate the information, uh, to arrange it, to, you know, to work with it. Okay, so I'm going to give you, so we're going to, Start quickly with a questionnaire. So if you finish with a questionnaire, 
then uh, you can go for the quick break. I want to ask you, because this is not going to determine your whole future, um, just the first idea that pops into your head. You don't have to overthink it, overanalyze every question, just what pops up in your mind, okay? Because you're most, instinctively, you know how you learn. <laughs> instinctively, you know what you respond to, okay? So I want to ask you that you do it as, as extinct, instinctively. Okay, if you can get the, new, the next one. Next slide, please. Okay, there. I know for Afrikaans people that's horrible. We are not, this is, it's for visual, auditive, reading and writing, and kinesthetic, okay? <laughs> I also thought when I read it, that was funny, but I, I do learn through reading, so. Okay, so if you can go there. Hope we don't overload the system here. It's not a long one, okay? Incidentally, myself and my wife really struggle to sometimes do Bible study together because I just don't get her highlighters and she doesn't get my books. And, and that's fine <laughs> as long as we, we get, to, get to Jesus. That's the important thing. Say again. Sorry, I don't know what it looks like. I did it on mine. Yeah. There should be a green a green box. What is your learning preference? The one with the questions, that's the one with the Oh, that one. Right, guys. Could all the sheep, I bedoel alle varken, asjeblieft hulle sit plekke inneem. Can all the sheep please? <laughs> you can take your seat. Okay.
Okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna focus on your primary style at the moment uh, because there's uh, otherwise we won't have enough time. Who of you are visual learners? Visual learners. Okay. Who of you are auditive or oral learners? Okay. Who of you are reading and writing learners? Okay, and who of you are kinesthetic learners? Okay, so it's a fair, it's a fair spread. Okay, that makes it difficult for one person to sort of teach because there's such a variety. But I think more than anything, it's having a grasp of what is the main way that you really learn. So we're just going to quickly go because I'm oral and auditive so one of the things that we want to do when we do something we want to get into discussions we want to get group work going we want to get people talking about the information so that's where I'm heading so I'm gonna kinda rush through this okay if you can give me the next slide please okay visual you learn by seeing basically um, and reading but um, you read diagram visual me media like YouTube clips and other visual aids okay the next one is Auditive, you learn by hearing. It's like lectures, audio media, podcast, discussions, being part of discussions. Uh, reading and writing, it's more traditional methods. You, who of you still like when you read, you like paper? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Most probably a reading and writing person. Okay. Devotionals, you love devotionals. Uh, text, is it's, uh, you learn through text, you like reading. Okay, next is kinesthetic. You learn best by doing hands-on activity. And when you do Bible study, you'll most probably want to know, how can I apply this? How does this work? How does this relate to my, to my real life? Okay. Um, I'll send the, the slides to Debbie, so if you want to get hold of them afterwards. Okay. Can we just get the next slide? So if you're a visual learner, you'll most probably like using like a journal with diagrams and pictures. You'll most probably be frustrated with paper with lines in it. You want blank paper so you can doodle. And you don't worry too much if you don't write straight. You make use of color coding, indexing, and highlighting in your journal. Uh, you like Bible teachers that are storytellers that draws you into a story that you can almost see. When you read the Bible, you read yourself into the story. You imagine yourself, what would it be like to if I was there? That's the kind of... Uh, of mindset that you will have when you have Bible study. Um, you can watch movies that have been made of the Bible. Some are better than others. Um, illustrative Bible study tools and dictionaries, you'll like that. And uh, you can also look for good teachings on DVDs. That is most probably where there's a person speaking and not just a voice speaking to you. Okay. Auditive. Uh, if you're auditive and you don't have a discussion group, just read it out loud so you can hear it. Most people that are auditive, if you try to do it in your mind, there's like 10,000 things happening in your mind and you don't get it right. And even if you're listening, it's got to be fairly quiet. You shouldn't be seeing other stuff. You've just got to listen. And so what you can do is read scripture aloud, uh, even your own thoughts. Speak to yourself when you're in your car. Nowadays, you can speak to yourself. People don't think you're crazy. They think you're on your cell phone with a headless set. It's like wonderful. So it's wonderful for us. Okay. You can listen to an audio Bible. Uh, so what I sometimes do because I like reading as well is I read and I listen 
because I reckon that the more of your senses you engage, the better you, you remember and retain. Okay, so uh, try a conversational journal approach where you talk with God about what you're learning and write what you hear Him saying to you. Listen to an audio Bible or listen to Bible teachings, iPod, MP3 players. Um, even when you're running, when you're doing housework, when you're doing something menial that you don't concentrate, just use that. That will help you. Okay. Next one. Reading or writing. Once again, devotional. Uh, you can practice journaling. Who of you like journaling? I absolutely despise journaling. <laughs> I can't figure out whether, whether I'm, I'm just auditive or lazy, but... My wife reckons I'm just lazy. <laughs> okay, so, and we'll talk about that soap because we are going to just touch on some of the Bible study methods. And all of them basically have the same premise. Okay, uh, so we'll talk about soap. Don't worry about soap at the moment. I'll, we'll get, we'll clean you farka up later, right on. Okay. Okay, sequential Bible readings. For reading and writing people, if you announce in the church, we will have a Bible reading program that we're going to read through the Bible in a year. And they go like, yeah, can I have the YouTube? <laughs> can I have the version link now? And I'm like thinking, oh, man. <laughs> Bible teaching or study books, use written study tools as commentaries, dictionaries in text form, software or online. Okay, I'm rushing through this because I want, okay, next one. Kinesthetic. Okay, you can get a good devotional study Bible that includes Bible references and reading and life application. People that love this, I mean, get a study Bible. I mean, you, you're going to love this. You're going to love, you're going to read something. Uh, the ESV study Bible is, and if you read, if you want paper, the ESV study Bible is this thick and written this small. You really need glasses, but it's really, if you like this kind of interaction, how does this apply to life? You want to know that immediately. It's a great way. And there's a beautiful study Bibles out there that you can use that are really good. Okay. And then when you do that kind of Bible study, have a pen and paper handy. Write down what is the action point. What do I want to do? Uh, how can I apply this in my life? And uh, when you do this with others, because I do want to encourage you to do that as well. I Most probably, but once again, it's my learning style, um, auditive People love to sit in conversations. It's most probably the place where I learn the most. If I'm in conversations with people about a Bible topic, if we read Bible together, it's, it, for me, it feels to me like the world opens in learning. But I know for some people that doesn't work. And I really just want to release you that you've got to find a way. If you find Jesus in any way, don't worry about this. These are not rules. These are tools that you can that may or may not help you, may or may not help you in certain seasons of your life. These are not rules, just like the spiritual disciplines. is not about the spiritual disciplines. It's about you connecting to Jesus. And if you've got a way that works for you and nobody else does it, go for it. It's fine. Don't uh, let these things, just like personality tests, don't let it lock you into this is who you are and you cannot be something else. These are tools that help us, that inform us a little bit more. But they are not the silver bullets for discipleship. They are not the silver bullet for all of a sudden becoming a major Bible scholar. You've got to find something for you 
that works with your personality, with your learning style, with your stage of life. You know, stay-at-home moms, you know, tell them, oh, you've got to do, you've got to sit, you know, before the household wakes up, what, like four o'clock? Okay, so, so when, but when you're studying with others, discuss real-life situations, not um, um, things that aren't real. So, and that you can case studies, try to role-play. Who of you like role-playing? Once again, I don't like role-playing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay. I think what also, there's so many other books around. I just want to, there's a, there's a book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee. Gordon Fee, if you want to read stuff on the Holy Spirit, Gordon Fee is like an excellent scholar in general on the Holy Spirit. His book on Paul, the churches and the Holy Spirit is an eye-opener. And he's just written, he's, this is an old, old book, many, many copies. This is about the third edition. Very nice guy that sort of demystifies some of the stuff that we need, that we need to get good at if we want to study the Bible. And uh, so I'm going to do that quickly. And one of the things, and most of the, most of the methods, like soap. Okay, if you can just give me the soap. Yeah. So soap basically says you read the Scripture, then you make an observation about the Scripture, um, an application, and then you pray. Others are observation. Um, Discovery Bible study is what's good is happening in your life. It creates thankfulness. What's, what are you struggling with in your life? That creates a prayer need. Now you read the Scripture. What does it say about God? What does it say about people what, or you? Uh, what is an action point that you can take and who can you tell? So all of these Bible study methods um, basically come to this place that you, you've got to read the Scripture and then the fancy word for that is you've got to do a little bit of exegesis. So you've just got to figure out what the context is. Because whenever there's a... It doesn't matter whether it's a Bible or whether it's a poem. There is something that the author intended... And then there is something when the reader reads it that they respond to. And they are not always the same. There's this, uh, this story that NPF van Wyk Lowe, a well-known South African author, he wrote a poem and then they gave him the matric paper on his poem and he failed it. Because they, the, the readers that responded and the people that set the exam paper just saw so much more in his poem than he actually meant. And I think that sometimes, and that's most probably sometimes what happens if we, if we only do reader's response. If we don't do a little bit of background, if we don't sort of who was writing this, what is the kind of literature this is. So if it's historical literature, you can have a very literal interpretation. But if you're going to be, if you're going to do a very literal interpretation of, of pro, uh, sorry, of, of like poetry, you know, it's like... Uh, and you'll get some people that will go lying at an anthill and it's not actually what the, the author meant you know it's like, so we need to bridge the gap between the author's intent who was the writer who was the initial audience that he wrote it to and what was he trying to say because if we only have readers response and we only read from where we are we often do we actually read into the scripture what we wanted to say, 
or we read into Scripture what the Scripture doesn't say. So we've always have to put the Scripture and the Bible, you've got to put it in context. So I want to encourage you not to do like a verse theology thing. You know, if you read a verse, read the verse before that and the verse, at least the verse, or read a portion before that and a portion after that. If you can, like with the, the epistles, the letters, it's like read the whole thing. You know, Paul never wrote the letter as a, as, as, a, as a piece that they have to sort of theologically tear apart and sort of um, take apart. He was writing a letter. So if you read the letter from beginning to end, what I sometimes do is I take out the chapter headings, I take out the verses, I take out the headings, I take out the numbers. So it's just like a letter. And I try to read that letter before I try to find what one verse is saying. I just go and read it and... I mean, Bible Project is so wonderful. I mean, some of the stuff that they do for us with regards to just giving you an overview, what is the letter about, who wrote it, who are the people, uh, that the, if the letter to the Ephesians wasn't just for the Ephesian church, it was a circular letter. Galatians wasn't a church, it was a province, so it's more than one church. And just small little stuff that you just gives you a little bit of background and if you read it, you can see what the, I believe that a slow reading of Scripture will reveal a whole lot what the author was trying to say. And I think sometimes we, we read more into Scripture than what the author intended. It's like, I'm going to give you an example. Paul writes about um, the body of Christ is many members, many members, and the eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you, um, and they are Parts that, that you cannot even see, that receive no honor, that should receive a lot of honor. And, you know, all that he was trying to say is like, there are many different organs or cells or whatever. They all have a specific function. They've got to work together. If they work together, it works really well. But now people go, I wonder who is the liver. I think I'm the liver. You know, I'm, I'm taking the toxins out of the body of Christ. Go that way, you'll have funny questions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> who's the colon? <laughs> and I, I think if we, if we have only reader's response, but we don't sort of get the drift of what the reader or, or the writer was trying to say, we sometimes do run into trouble, and we do read into Scripture what Scripture is actually not saying. Um, so I want to encourage you, when you do Bible study, just you don't have to, and you can decide how much you want. You can have a doodle thing by, Bo, by Bible Project, or you can really listen to Tim Mackey unpack the whole thing and get brain cramps. It's fine. <laughs> so you can decide how much you want. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick example of, of something, of just of a, a bit of a word study. Can you play the one about Shammah? If you've seen it, just bear with me. It's just something... Tim Mackey and the guy from Bible Project did with regards to obedience. And uh, I watched it once and sort of remembered the pictures. Uh, Shema, yeah, that one. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. 
And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now, the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now, Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20. Ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now, that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says, the Lord has Shamad, that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27, verse 7. Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful. Answer me. So asking God to shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, If you shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now, there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you shema shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema. Okay, now that's just a simple example of just a very short like little word study. I mean, if you had to go and prepare that and read all the stuff, it would have taken you years to understand all of that. But there's so many resources nowadays that we can use. And uh, so I want to encourage you to use them in your Bible study. And just remember, once you've done a, say for instance, you've done a little bit of a deep dive into Galatians. Once you've one time sort of learned the content or the, or the context, and who was it written to, why was it written, um, who wrote it, that's in the bank for you. So the next time you're going to read Galatians, you're going to, oh yes, that's, a, that's about, that's that province. And I want to encourage you that even, you know, sometimes we read these things in the Bible, and we read about places, and we don't know where Galatia is, and it just becomes, just sometimes take a map, you know, it's like, sometimes just trace where Jesus, when you read the gospel, just have a map and just trace where Jesus went. And it's amazing 
how it just sort of brings it alive a little bit and it's almost like you can't wait for the next time to do that again. So it's not like every time you have to do a Bible study, you've got to do this huge contextual study. You can do it like if you want to read a month through the book of Ephesians, then you can look at Ephesus. You can look at what Paul wrote um, and just a little bit of the context. What, what, what are the main themes? So that when you then start studying it, you'll put it in context and you won't draw a word out of context. Okay, so I want to encourage you to do that. I think it's important that you, that you do a little bit of exegesis. It's you need to find the context. Um, if you're only going to have reader's response, uh, chances are you'll make a mistake and you'll make that sometimes a serious one. Um, reader's response has notorious led to cults being formed. So reader's response on its own. I think when I think about something like the Discovery Bible study, where they don't really encourage that contextual stuff, they just say, you know, you've only got to be able to read this portion of scripture and you've got to say what it says here i think one of the drawbacks of that is that it's a lot of reader's response and reader's response can be accurate i'm not saying that the holy spirit can't speak but as a consistent way of studying i would suggest that you do know a little bit that you just close the gap between the author's intent and the reader's response um, and you must remember that even your favorite author is a reader's response okay and sometimes we read our favorite authors with a little discernment. We, we read the people that we worried about with a lot of what we call discernment, but it's actually a little bit critical. And, uh, but our favorite authors, we, we sort of, oh, if he says it, it must be true. And then later on, we sort of start looking for what he believes in, in the scripture. And uh, that's called eisegesis when we have an idea and we go and look for our idea in scripture instead of, looking at scripture and allowing scripture to form our ideas about God. Okay, so I really want to encourage, and there's beautiful tools. And as I said, you can go deep or you, if you don't like a lot of info, if you like pictures, uh, Bible Project does wonderful little cartoon st stuff. Um, if you like the, the written stuff, there's a lot. There's lots and lots of, of written stuff. And really, I want to encourage you that... If you want to find out if what you're reading is true, just read one or two sort of reputable sources um, and don't take the first thing that you read on Google because sometimes they're not the best one. They're just the first one. Um, so, and if you read two or three, just scan read two or three, you'll most probably see, okay, these are commonalities. This appears nowhere else. And uh, I'm not saying that God cannot reveal something completely new but if it's so new that nobody else has ever ever in the life of christianity ever thought about it just hang i'm not saying you shouldn't believe it but don't build your whole life on it uh, we need to understand that there's a continuity of interpretation there's a continuity of revelation that i think if we honor that we can build on that and make sure that we don't throw out you know, many of the things that we believe are actually, uh, are actually Catholic. Many of the things <laughs> that we believe is, is very Baptist and very Reformed. So just make sure that we don't, because of 
not liking a church tradition, automatically just throwing out everything that they believe because a lot of what we believe is part of what has been passed down. Okay, so uh, I want to maybe throw out, if there's any questions, maybe if there's any questions that you have. I'll see all the questions that I've answered to, I'll answer. The rest, Diabir will, will teach on extensively and Matt and Jock, right? You guys have the answers. <laughs> any questions or comments? Yes. My favorite time of the word is I tend because I like listening. Um, I've in the evening when I go to bed, I fall asleep with the word in my ears, specifically the Psalms at the moment. Um, in the morning, first thing, my time with God is before I get up. Uh, I don't try to do anything but just lie there and. Greet God, good morning God, uh, thank him for the night, and anything, and just trying to be aware if he wants to say anything, then I'll probably put my earphones in again, portion of scripture, um, so early in the morning, late in the evening, sort of, for me, and it depends, if, I, if I'm preparing stuff, um, then obviously I read a lot of word, and I try not to sort of just to get messages from God for people. I always try to, when I read, a practice that I'm also nowadays doing a lot is I pray a lot in tongues when I'm reading. Um, I reckon if uh, I can speak mysteries unto God while I'm reading His Word and my mind becomes unfruitful to my own ideas, it's fruitful areas for the Holy Spirit to drop things. I've also realized that I can actually pray in tongues and read which I can't do with it. I can't read and listen at different times. It's, it's an interesting exercise just to see how tongues is vastly different from any other language, that it's not formed in your language center. Therefore, you can speak in tongues and listen to people and listen what people are saying all at the same time. Therefore, I believe it's actually one of the things that we can do in praying without ceasing. Uh, and I do that nowadays. I've actually found sort of a new revitalization when I read scripture and I pray in tongues. Yeah, so. But any time that works for you, it's good. I, yeah. I think it's more important that you read and study the Bible that, as opposed to when. I think there's a lot of people say, you know, you've got to do it in the morning before your mind is occupied by a lot of things. You know, some people are, their minds are not up, you know, by the time that they're out the door. You're up, but you're not awake, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think I've, I've come to sort of realize what kind of learner I am, and it's been highlighted by Wendy that's like completely opposite. Wendy is very artistic, very creative, but at the same time, very, very, very disciplined, um, you know, she, I don't think that she's missed the time with God in as we've been married for close on 30 years and she hasn't missed a day. Um, and she's like reading plans for her works like a charm and she sticks to that reading plan and she gets a lot of life from highlighting and low lighting and, and she gets a lot of life from that, but 
but she's also got a thing that she does that, and she, she, Wendy's incredibly prayerful in reading the word. She would like read a verse and then pray it, read it again, pray it again. It's like, and for me, I'm like three verses on, um, wanting to know more. So, so I'm trying to recognize where I learn best, but I also want to not get stuck and say this is the only way that I can learn. In the same way that personality-wise, I, I think I can actually grow. So I have a certain temperament or personality, but I think, you know, under God's guidance, I can actually grow. So sometimes I, um, as a discipline, I, I do discipline myself by trying to exercise something new. But if in the long run it doesn't sort of, it frustrates me more than anything else, then I've got to make the toss-up, you know, do I want to find God or do I really want to ex- succeed at a method? And then I always go for, hey, I want to I wanna go with God. Yeah. So I try to develop, yeah. Yes, sir. Phew. I think uh, it's a bit a favorite verse, not not my favorite verse. A favorite verse is Hebrews thirteen five and six. Uh, one of the first uh, first time that I when after I got saved that I really felt that the Lord spoke to me through His Word, uh, where it says that um, let your let your life be be satisfied with what you have, um, and basically saying that. Um, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He will not leave you without support. He will not, he will not, Amplified Bible, Classic Edition. He will not, he will not, he will not in any degree leave you helpless. Therefore, I can boldly say, what um, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Whom shall I fear? And so uh, that's a sort of a milestone verse for me, but I've got like a gazillion other words. The whole book of Ephesians is, is a beautiful... <laughs> Sorry that I didn't say John 3.16. It's already been taken by so many people. <laughs> yes, Aubrey and Wendy. Well, obviously there's a bit of theology that you do understand with regards to to the difference between the old and the new, but I, um, what I've also, what I've also done is to realize that whenever the scripture is quoted in the in the New Testament, we must remember that it's Old Testament scripture, uh, because they didn't have the New Testament. So every time when they say it is written, then I position myself as very curious and say, where was this written? And then I go and look at it there, because I do believe that one of the principles of interpreting scripture is that scripture ultimately interprets scripture you don't have to have like super concordances they do help us and commentaries help us but scripture interprets scripture um yeah so when i read both i believe that you know the other day a guy said to me and uh, i had to bite my tongue and he said you know if he has to choose that he'll just take the four Gospels because that's what Jesus said. And I was like, dude, that's what Jesus said on earth. But you know what Paul wrote was inspired by God, was, was given by the Holy Spirit. So that's just as much the word 
as the red letters. You must remember that even the red letters were what Mark and Matthew and John remembered of what Jesus said. Um, so this whole notion that you can separate the word and this is more important, I don't, I don't really believe that's a good way of looking at the Bible But it's because eventually when you do that, you stop reading stuff that you really need to read to understand what is meant. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of, and especially connecting Isaiah and Jesus, the Messianic. It's like Jesus is everywhere in Isaiah. It's so beautiful if people see that. That's, oh yeah, that's one thing I want to say. I'm going to get to your question now. One thing that stirs my hunger and desire and wonder and awe for the word is just simply reading or listening sometimes how the Bible was put together. Just that whole process of little fragments, uh, 66 authors over so many years in different geographical um, places, and it's such a coherent story that it is impossible. It's so accurate, Isaiah is so accurate that some people say that it was written after Jesus. <laughs> so for me, just sort of, and that's where the geek in me comes out. And I, when I read that, it, it just meant, man, this, is, this book is, is supernatural. This is not, you couldn't have put this book together in the way that it was put together. It is. And then if you start reading, uh, if you... Just get a, a Bible that sometimes teaches you to read when you read Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther. Just put Zechariah and, and Malachi and Haggai. Put them in there because that's where they prophesied. And if you read them together, all of a sudden, uh, you, the house of God lies in ruin, but you build your own panel. Says, oh, they were rebuilding the temple. And all of a sudden, all of that makes sense. And it's not like this coded message that you can't understand and so that, and that's the Bible geek in me that gets out. <laughs> and uh, I think it's important that we do that. Yeah. Sorry. Question. I think in different seasons that differs. They, if I say, for instance, I have to teach in a Bible school and I've got a subject that I've got to do, then I make a little bit of a, a diff I, I differentiate between my own journey with God and what I'm teaching. But if I'm part of a church, for me, uh, it saved me a lot, of, a lot of extra work. And it also sort of made me realize, you know, when you're preparing a message, the word of God is like a two-edged sword, you know. I can't preach it to the people if it doesn't touch me. And I'm, although I'm a, I'm a shepherd, I'm also, I'm also a sheep, and I'm part of this family. And this message is for the family, and I'm part of this family. So just as it will have a bearing on every person in the family, it will also have a bearing on me. So in seasons that I've been in pastoral ministry uh, or leading a church, it's actually been easier for me because it was much more part of, and I would do a lot of my devotion would be on, God, what are you saying through this portion of scripture that you are speaking to us? It's almost this picture of uh, a Sunday message. It's like a loaf of bread that is placed on the table, and then we take this bread and we break it into smaller pieces. 
and uh, so it depends on the setting but I think um, I don't try to differentiate too much unless I'm forced because I'm following a curriculum and then even sometimes in a curriculum it it would be like (laughs) I would be busy speaking or preparing about something and then in that the Lord would just encounter me and then I wouldn't say, oh no, this is not, this is not God speaking to me. This is God speaking to other people. So it depends on the setting. But I found it more congruent with my own life if I didn't try to make it two separate things. Yeah. And obviously you look at your audience as well because you've got to exegete your audience as well. Who's your audience? Is it saved people? Is it unsaved people? Is it... Um, or teenagers, is it grown-ups, you know. So, But I've tried not to. Uh, I've seen a lot of people burn out and either neglecting, either neglecting their own devotional life or neglecting preparing well for sermons, which I think is equally as bad. Um, so I've tried not to do it as much, try to find God in, in the message. other questions I really want to encourage you just start if you're not very good at Bible reading just before you start studying it just start reading it even if you do a little and just go on the next day and just do a short prayer after that you know if there's something that really stood out for you just pray that um, read the Bible Michael Eaton's a guy that wrote um, commentaries for InterVarsity Press, like a serious theologian. And uh, we had the privilege of sitting with Michael, and uh, he said, uh, we asked him, Michael, how do you read the Bible? Because he's a bit intimidating while you're preaching. He's sitting with the Greek and the Hebrew text, you know, and he, when he frowned like that, he's like, oh, no, I misquoted it. And, uh, but we asked him, Michael, how do you read the Bible? How do, you, do you have commentaries? He says, well, I read like the Holy Spirit is with me. And I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you explain this to me? I don't quite understand what this means. And he says, if he sits still for a while, he gets something. Um, and not to underestimate just the power that is inherent in the Word of God. I know without faith, it's most probably just dead words, but mixed with faith, that is the divine inspired spoken Word of God. And to really approach it in that way with an expectation, not, not an expectation of, okay, I've got to do my daily reading, but with the expectation, I'm now going to encounter God. I'm going to come before God with one of the ways and one of the primary ways that he reveals himself to us. Holy Spirit, won't you help me to see Jesus clearer today in this portion of Scripture? And then you find Jesus in funny places. You really find, and you find, you find really the, the congruency of seemingly things that you won't immediately see or read in there. Just, we just did an exercise the other day from Acts chapter 9, where it speaks about Paul on his road to Damascus. He was knocked off his horse, and Ananias, uh, and the guy just asks us, how many of the gifts of the Holy Spirit do you see in that encounter? And we counted seven of the nine in that, and it's nowhere explicit. But, you know, just being, hey, just, just look for the Holy Spirit here. 
and we could find we could find faith we could find words of knowledge we could find word word of wisdom we can find miracles we can find a healing uh, we could find prophecy and what is the other one that we could find we just didn't find tongues and speak and oh yes discernment of spirits and the only two with that, with that that we couldn't find was speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. And it was all in there. And uh, just beautiful when you realize, when you start connecting the dots. Hey, this is what Paul writes about and it's really happening. Um, and it, was, it happened before it was written, before the people had Galatians. Um, and you realize, you know, this is the Holy Spirit at work and this is how he breathed it in various forms into Scripture. If we would just... Allow the Holy Spirit just to, to nudge us in a direction. And then it becomes an amazing, it's, it's almost like you can't wait to read your Bible again. And you wish you could find more time. As opposed to, I've got to read, I've got to follow my reading plan. Thank you, Jan. Um, it's important for us to to pray important prayers because then they've been prayed, and once we've prayed them, then then God acts. So, walking out of here, um, or before we walk out of here, I just really want us to ask God stirring us a hunger for his word then we, ha we can know we've asked him that we can eagerly expect it and then all these things fall into place for the hungry for a hungry one they find the answers you don't even need to show them the answers right so um anyone keen to for god to give him a hunger for the word okay so we're gonna ask god and we're gonna just do it all together and then we've asked him but if you really want to ask him in your heart then you've you've asked him so let's just say this together God stir in me a hunger stir in me a hunger for your word Do not leave me without it. Do a deep work in me, God. That your word will be in me to sustain me until my last day. God, you know, I struggle with the discipline. But I know that I can overcome through your spirit. Help me, God. Stir in me a hunger for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now we've, we've prayed it. And we can eagerly expect it. Um, yeah, Jan, we can, let's give Jan a round of applause for Sharing his heart with us. We're honored to have you. Uh, really honored. And 
hope to have you again. Um, Jan actually drives through from Stalinbosch uh, twice to three times a month to spend time with us. I uh, can't really believe that he's doing it, but somehow God had him do it. Um, and it's really, really blessing us. Um, and we wanted to confer some of that blessing to the rest as well. So please drive safe. Yeah. I'd like to say something. With regards to just reading, um, look for words like but, therefore, now. Because they're amazing revealers. <laughs> I just want to put it out there for you. If you read the Bible and you read the buts, the therefore, now, they, there's like treasure. <laughs> I promise you, there's treasure. Because sometimes we read and we don't. It's like almost we read the Bible and we skim over. I want to slow down. And if there's a therefore, go and read Therefore, because like Romans 1 to 11 is like Paul having a huge Christology and then 12 verse 1, now. <laughs> because of, I plead with you in the pure mercies of God that you give your body as a, as a living sacrifice. And we sometimes start at 12, point, 12 verse 1 because that's our reading plan. And we forget that it was prefaced and actually set up by what he wrote in the first 11 chapters. And if you read that, then yes, because otherwise it's I'll give your body as a living sacrifice. Yeah, why? But if you read 1 to 11, all that Christ has done, there is no, that's why he calls it your reasonable service, not your incredible service, or it's your reasonable service. Think about this. You serving God makes perfect sense. It's not a biggie. It's not you doing God a favor. It's him doing you a favor. So I want to encourage you when you read, go and look for those buts and the, and the therefores and the now. and They are incredible pointers to treasure and context. Thank you, Anne.